there's always consequences when you make a decision, yeah. right? Because when you decide, you're killing off options. Decide the side part, the side means like you're killing off, right? Insecticide, pesticide is to kill. And decide is like to kill off all options. And when you decide to kill off all options, like you have to look at the consequences because whether I move to Europe, there's a consequence with that. If I stayed in Australia, there's a consequence. So this one, uh, it's going to have a weird feeling because for those of you listening or watching, you might actually see like this is kind of a, a bit of a time warp. Yeah. And the reason why it's a bit of a time warp is because, you know, as we we're preparing the launch of this, the Wabi Sabi podcast, we realized that episode two that we did, you know, a few months ago, because we've been recording for a long time, Jim. Yeah. And um, we just want to kind of put things out there. We just want to kind of get content out there. And when we did, when we listened to episode two, I don't know about you, but I think you just said that before, before we started recording. I got through about two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you got through about two or three minutes yeah. and we're like, this is just unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're all proponents of like just shipping stuff out there and like, you know, things will take care of itself. But it got to a point where we go, I think the listeners are going to have a problem with this. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. we decided to just let go and made a decision, mm-hmm. which was the topic of today, uh, made a decision to can that episode and actually re-record it. Yeah. So this is, we're much later in the process, but we're going to re-record this one and then put it back at the beginning. So you might see us change our hair, hair Jim's hair. Mine won't have changed. A little bit more. More. No, no, like it's, it's not. I, sh- I shave every day, Lawrence. I shave every day, so it's not going to grow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the sequence of this one will be a little bit slightly out of order in terms of our stories and stuff but you know we're a little bit more mature we're a little bit more have more wisdom in our lives uh, since uh, that time and uh, we're going to talk about decision making yeah. and how important it is to make some of those calls like we have to make those calls all the time deciding on you know if this is right or wrong jim let's talk about that let's talk about sure. decisions and obviously the big elephant in the room is obviously people are going to want to know the decisions that we made when it comes to our family life and why we chose to leave Australia and move yeah. across the world to a totally different country and lifestyle. Yeah. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that. So where would you like to start, Jim? Well, I, I think you started it perfectly. And, and full disclosure to everybody listening, that, that's exactly what we did. We had made a decision that what we recorded just didn't sit well with us and you know a lot of people will go up and say to you hey i don't like the sound of my voice on recording this was like really bad it was my end that was letting everything down and i I got to within within two minutes i went nah can't do this so we are re-recording that and that's that's a decision you make i think a lot of the times in the haste to try and get out things out you quite often will compromise on certain things and there's certain things that we've had to just accept as outside of our control and we've gone with but that was one we both unanimously went nah can it so that was a decision in terms of what our expectations and standards are of ourselves that was a, a basically a, an example of that in, in in flight in motion in real time yeah it's a balance right I yeah think it's a balance like let's face it you know anybody's watching on this on youtube uh, or on video you can see like, you know, where I'm at right now, I'm still not in health. Yes, it seems like five, six months later, I'm still not in home. But we'll talk about that later. But isn't, isn't it is funny, like, Lawrence, isn't it funny that we're recording this six months yeah, later? Six months later, but yeah, still, yeah, it's still the same situation. Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, <laughs> you can see, <laughs> yeah. uh, don't rub it in, man. No, we're getting close, we're getting close. So 
I think one of the challenges that, uh, you know, it's the balance that we have to have is, is to going, okay, well, this is not perfect. This is not the perfect setup. This is my, not my perfect, you know, podcast mic. Um, however, like you got to ship, we got to start recording. Remember like Jim, when you and I were deciding back when, you know, a long time ago, when we were deciding like, okay, back in 2022, we're deciding, okay, when do we record? Yeah. In my head, if if it was in a perfect world, like okay, we just wait until I get into my house so I can have my perfect setup, have my perfect lights and my perfect podcast mic, and then we'll record. Right? We would have missed out on six months of content. We would have missed out on six months of recording, and we'd have been delayed by at least six months. And you know, so sometimes you got to ship. Who cares about the lighting and stuff? And you know, it's crappy. Yes, I get it. But you know what? We're planning to do this podcast for the long run. So therefore, like. The first 10, you know, 20, 30 episodes are just the beginning of something great. And we will evolve and hope that you will see that evolve. I hope the audience will see that we're evolving over time and we'll get better. You know, I've been in this game for a long time in terms of podcast game. I started uh, one, you know, obviously one like 11 years ago. Yeah, our first year was pretty crap, you know, but we didn't know at the time until we got to the second year realizing, oh, we could have done better. And that's how important. So I think decision is about, so that's why I'm saying the final line because deciding to like shipping, even though it's not perfect, however, having some sort of standard where it goes, sometimes it goes, it's just too bad. And I think it goes to the the sunk cost, right? The sunk cost fallacy. And I think this is where it is. I mean, what's the worst thing? Yeah. Did it suck that we had to listen to that and go, oh man. Like it was such a good episode. And I, I agree. It was, it was a very good episode, but it's like, what's the song? Like the cost is already sunk. We've already done it. We've already yeah. spent that hour, you know, recording it and, and talk through our contents and stuff. And we will never and never be able to repeat what we talked about. Yeah. This is impossible yeah. because this is just a casual concept. You don't have notes or anything. We don't, we just go with the flow here. This is all just coming out of us in, in real time. And so the fine balance I think is around recognizing to go, Hey, you know what? Sometimes it's not perfect but you got to go with it, but also have some standards yeah. in addition to just realizing, you know what? We made a decision based on sunk cost, which means like we've already spent that hour. It was six months ago. Let it go. Let's re-record and let's, you know, create this magical new show. Yeah. And hopefully this one will be better than the yeah. last one. Yeah. So who knows? Great. So let's, uh, let's circle back to that question you asked me in terms of the decisions. So you're right. We face some pretty big decisions and big decisions about relocating to the other side of the world. And it wasn't a spur of a moment thing. To, to people on the outside looking in, they'd suddenly go, well, where did that come from? And, you know, like you had everything that I could imagine externally that you'd ever want in that scenario. And, and I think we've mentioned even in that first time around, like we had pretty great lives in Australia. However, there was something that there was that silent whisper, I think, in both of us that went, there's something more. There's something that we're yearning for that ensures that we can let go of the good and the really good to go for the great, whatever that great is. It's not necessarily something tangible, but we both had a knowing within ourselves that we needed to make this decision. And we were both spurred by different motivations and different reasons, but we both had got to that same outcome. Absolutely. Uh, for me, it was, you know, let's go back in time a little bit. You know, I, for me, it was uh, the, you know, during the lockdowns, um, it really kind of got to a point where it was just like, this, is this it? Like, is this where we're heading in terms of, um, the life we're going to live in Australia and the, the government and, and moving. And it wasn't necessarily that, but that triggered it. Yeah. Like, so I'm not saying that we left because of that. It's, it's more that that triggered the thought process. Yeah. And what it did was for me, it triggered the thought process of going, man, if I stayed here, right. In like living this life, I know that life. It's so predictable. Yeah. You know, my daughter was in grade seven and my son would have been grade four. And I was like, man, another five, six, five to seven years until they graduate. I can tell you exactly where we're going to go, exactly where we're going to shop, exactly the life every single weekend we're going to have. And that moment was like, that scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah. You know, that repeated pattern of going, I already know what that life looks like. I don't know if I can do five years or seven years of that. 
same thing. And that's when we really kind of created some choices to go like, we need to create more choice. Is this yeah. what we want? And if it is fine, but if it's not, how do we want to do it differently? Yeah. And I think that sort of for us was like that. I'm not sure how it was for you. Yeah, well, it's a little bit different for, for me because I've got the benefit of knowing the impact of and the effect of those decisions. So I definitely want to come back to that and talk about what implications or ripple effects happen as a result of those decisions for us both. But for me, it's a little bit different. My kids are a little bit older. Yeah, they're in their 20s, 26 and 22. And we'd had this frank conversation and it was, look, lockdown, what it did is, is it accentuated, you know how they quite often say money and alcohol accentuate the essence of a person? And if you're a really great person, that comes out more, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, under compression, basically in that environment, we actually really looked at our current at our situation and, and said the same things like, is this what I want? Is this how I, I uh, want things to play out indefinitely? And it was actually really interesting because we had these really frank discussions and conversations within our family and with our kids, both of them are independent. Both of them had gotten to a level of uh, independence within their careers where they didn't need, quote unquote, mum and dad looking after them. So they turned that on and said, okay, listen, hypothetically speaking, we've got, we've, we're covered. We've got, we're good. What are you going to do for you? Because you're still young. We had kids quite young. And so we're hitting mid fifties and I'm plan I'm not planning on going quietly into the sunset i actually want to make an impact in the next while and so for us that really caused a, a introspection to really think about what we want to do and what do we want the golden period of our of our life to be like what does it look like what impact do we want to have and so when an opportunity came for us to really question that an opportunity came for us to leave a legacy we jumped at it so that was the process that led it for us well th i think that highlights uh, the reason why we're setting the context here on like the background information is because it sets up the the situation of how people process decisions right you can tell we we have it's certain circumstances that you know the circumstances of the environment creates a situation where you have to make a decision right and you're also you can see what from Jim's story is that we are guided by most of the time guided by an outcome, right, that we actually want to pursue. And oftentimes, I think that's really important as part of making a decision. Oftentimes, I find that when people make decisions, they're deciding it based on the immediate, um, immediate impact yeah. versus about taking yourself a little bit further back and from a higher level and looking at the impact that decision actually has to make. Yeah. Those are two different choices, right? You can easily make a decision going, no. Like I remember when I first decided, obviously my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law lives with us and in Sydney. And so therefore, like I had to make a decision going, well, if I make a decision that she's most likely going to have to come with us, right? Well, you know, she's in her set, you know, late seven, you know, seventies and like to move to a new country again, you know, that's hard, right? Like, you know, be, you know, she's from England, moved to Canada, moved to Australia, and now we're going to take her to Europe again. Like, it's like, you know, at that age, you know, does she, you know, she has everything, she has her friends. Like, why would you, well, why would you put her through that? And so the immediate answer, if I was looking at the decision impact on yeah. just the small circle, would have been. Hell no, yeah. there's no way we're going to go. But again, like what Jim says, like you want to make impact, you want to make a decision based on not just the immediate impact, but actually what is the trickle effect if I made this, this decision? So then now you're guided by purpose. You're guided by something bigger, not just the immediate and not get scared about that because it's so easy to just go, no, I can't do this because of this moment in time. So I don't know. Yeah, if yeah, no, that, totally. Be one component of this. Yeah, right? totally. And, and you know, I, I'd love you if, you if you're okay to revisit what you shared 
uh, in the first recording of this episode, particularly with regard to schooling and the impact that that has as well, because you had to walk away from some things. You wanted to share that, and then I can circle back and, and talk about that. Sure. Yeah. Like you know, we like you said, Jim and I had a great life. Like I, I there's no complaints about the life I had in Sydney. Sydney is a beautiful city. Australia is a beautiful country. Uh, I've been a citizen there for you know close to 20 years. I was there for 20 years, citizen for like 18 of them. And I loved it. I loved that. And Karen and I have been looking around the world. We've been traveling a lot over the last, you know, 10 years. And we've seen a lot of places. And we're always looking, where's the next place? And like, no place has ever matched what Australia does, like, mm. you know, has in terms of beaches and lifestyle and the weather. And we're always looking, but no one's like, ah, no, it's always something that's, uh, you know, that just doesn't feel right. So with all of that, on top of that, like my, my daughter was in high school. She has a full scholarship through high school, private school. Full scholarship paid, you know, she got was the top student and she got offered a full scholarship, full ride, you know, and that would be at least in the six figures guaranteed yeah. over the next, you know, six years or whatever yeah. she was going to be there. Um, and she had her friends, you know, and she was probably 13 at the time. Yeah, 13. So, you know, pretty young and, but, you know, establishing those friendship groups, very tight gr group of girls. That's challenging, you know, you know, got the routine, all of us have routine. So to walk away from that, to make a decision, not just. On for me, but also for the impact on my kids and also financially, that's the thing that has to be there. And so when you walk away from that, those are, they have to factor in. However, I mean, I was thinking to myself like, okay, it's just money. Like if it would like, no, I'm not saying it's just money. I'm not, not to throw away about that, but it's like, am I, I have to look at all the things that could stop me from deciding. But again, I was led by the excitement and the uncertainty. Yeah of where I was going to go and the life I would discover and the impact it would have that the family unit, the, the four of us, at least, you know, on how that would change the trajectory of my kids, life by moving to Europe. And when you factor like, if you look at the impact implication, when they grow up, you know, let's say my, my daughter five years from now, she'll leave high school. I'm not kind of, I'm not sure if she's going to go to university or not. Well, it doesn't really matter, but her life is now more nurtured because She's Australian. Mm. She's Canadian in a way, even though she has, she has a passport. She never know she's never been there. But she also has now European, you know, and Portuguese. And I think adding to that element, it's just like it just gives her that facet. And also my son too, gives him that extra facet. And also seeing different parts of the world, all that culture was way more important to me than holding on to something yeah. that you know that we were rewarded for her hard work. And it's like, yeah, I think so. I like going back to that decision making. It was looking at the bigger picture not the smaller picture, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's how, you know, for us was like an important element of making decisions. And these, they're hard decisions yeah, to make, right? Yeah. When you factor everything in, but um, maybe if I don't, if uh, maybe I'll, uh, um, I'll share a little bit more if Jim is okay. Yeah, man, so when I make these big decisions in my life, and I talk about this in other podcasts and episodes and stuff, but it's so important to recognize is this. I've always known that if it's a big decision in your life, it shapes your life. Okay. When I move from Canada to Australia, it shaped my life. When I moved from Perth to Sydney, it shaped my life. And these decisions, these jumps that I make, and I, I imagine if anybody who's listening and watching this, think about this. Every big decision in your life, in the moment just before that decision, it would have been tough. It had to be, right? If it wasn't tough, you wouldn't remember mm. it. What did you have for dinner last night, Jim? You don't, you don't, you may remember, or you may not remember. It doesn't, or maybe last Wednesday, mm. you're not going to remember. Why? Because it wasn't that big of a deal, whether you had chicken, steak, mm. or whatever it was, right? That's not going to matter. But the decisions you remember, those were always tough. So when I look at that, it's like, there's always a pros and cons list, right? We always do that. But I would look at pros like, yeah, of course there's pros to move to 
Europe and pros to stay in Australia. Like, there's always going to be pros. And they're going to balance each other. That's why it's such a hard decision. But there's also consequences. There's always consequences when you make a decision, yeah. right? Because when you decide, you're killing off options. Decide, the side part, the side means like you're killing off, right? Insecticide, pesticide is to kill. And decide is like to kill off all options. And when you decide to kill off all options, like you have to look at the consequences because whether I move to Europe, there's a consequence with that. If I stayed in Australia, there's a consequence. And so I kind of put it on the scale versus like rather than balancing and trying to figure out the pros, I'm always going to be happy either way, but I got to look at the consequences. Mm. I balance that out. I go, okay, if I move to Europe, these are the consequences you want. New language, difficult to integrate, no friends, starting from scratch, new culture, all that stuff, blah, 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 right? If I stayed in Australia, sameness, same house, same friends, same, all, like all the stuff. And I look at that and go, oh, I'd rather live with this one. Yep. Why? Because you're going to have to live with either consequences, whatever decision you make. Yep. That's the key point when, when you look at decisions. And that's where I kind of came about making those decisions. So I got to look at all the consequences of each one and then decide based on that, because I know I have to live with that consequence no matter what. Yeah, that beautifully articulated. And that, that makes sense because that uh, gave listeners and viewers the, the frame through which you, you made the decisions. And you really highlighted the impacts and consequences of those actions. So for me, a lot of it comes down to, and I he heard you even saying that in terms of you chose you would prefer the, the adventure and the excitement and the uncertainty versus the norm and the, the known. So that really, as a great starting point, being clear in your values and how important certain things are for you is, is the compass through which you actually gauge that. And so I would hazard as a guess, whether directly or indirectly, that's really what you were doing. You were actually weighing those things up and sent both our kids through private school. So I know the costs of that. And if someone had given me an opportunity not to have to uh, finance my kids through private education, I would have gone, that's great. But what I really respect is that you actually were clear that in order to do this, I've got to walk away from that. And that's almost like a temptation. It's like, I look at it and say, the universe is trying to give you a chance of how really serious are you about this? Because if you give up on your right. dream, just like that, it wasn't really a dream. And when you talk about making difficult decisions, this was a really hard one for us, right? This was a really hard one for us. Not, not so much from the, I'm happy, I'm daring, and I've got a, a high risk tolerance to try new things. And I'm basically an initiator. I like to take that first step. So that, that suits me really well. But the hardest part about this is when an opportunity came for, for Bettina to lead our leadership role, particularly in our profession, previous profession in chiropractic, what that meant for us and, and me specifically was walking away from an identity and a validation and a life that validated it exceptionally well. It meant basically saying goodbye to my kids. And that's the one that really, that was the, you know, like I even think about it now and they're grown men and yet I still, that was the hardest one. And I think from the outsiders looking in, this was the one, I, geez, I remember talking about this the first time around and I welled up and I, I'm going to go again. The, the thing that hurt me the most when people were looking at what we were doing and they, you know, this is great, this is adventure, whatever. The part that really hurt was the part, the perception that we were abandoning our kids, even though they're adults. Yeah. And if there wasn't an element of me feeling that as, oh, am I? Uh, it wouldn't affect me as much, but it was an empowered decision that, that we got to when we had a conversation with family and said, hey, here's what we are doing. This is an opportunity that's presented. So how do you feel about that? And both our boys, without exception or without a moment's thought, said, you have always told us to back ourselves and live our dream. Here's an opportunity for you to do that. So that was 
my value structure, but also having the blessing, funny enough, as our kids to go go for it was liberating. It was really amazing. And the other thing that was really important for us in our decision was during our whole married life, and with Bettina and I have been married for over 30 years, I've generally been the one that's gone, let's go. And Bettina often has gone, okay, let's go. I'll back you. And his was, he was a scenario where the roles were reversed, where the opportunity was for her. And I went, okay, great. You've always... Um, done this for me, I'll do this for you. And Bettina, in her wisdom in the moment, said, no, pause, stop, because this is going to be really, you've got to be really clear that this is what you want. Because if you're just doing it at a reflex, great, thank you. But when things get tough, you're going to second guess that decision. Because what this means for you is walking away from career, identity, uh, security, all these variables. And I'm going to be sure that you're right with this because I can't go ahead with it. And it was only when I was clear in my mind, I went, I'm good to go. I've never second guessed it. But it took me a couple of days to get really, really clear on that. You know, you, you mentioned a really good point because I think it's, uh, you know, when as a family, as, as a partner, you know, you and your partner, whoever is listening to this, like when you make big decisions, you need to have the agreement on both. You just can't have one person who will agree and the other one goes along with it because it, it will end up biting you in the butt yeah. later on when the when the tough gets you know when tough gets going like when it really gets to those pointy ends or i mean let's face it like it's not all been rainbows and sunshine since we've been here it's there's you know there's moments where you just go like what am i doing like what am i doing here and there's also moments of like man i can't believe it can you imagine i'm here yeah, right? yeah so it's like yeah. so there's like the it's like the highs the highs are highs and the lows are the lows right but having the clarity of what you just said of knowing like are you doing it for the right reason? Are you aligned with your values? Are you aligned with your purpose of doing this? It's such an important element to really consider on both parties if you're if you're coming together. Because I think it's important. If you don't consider that, what it does is that it creates resentment. Yep. And it's very easy to kind of going, well, I told you so later. You know, like you're the one who brought me here. And not to say that we would have done that, but I can see that can yeah. go down that road yeah. when things don't go right. And it's never, I should never force anybody to, into a decision. I think when you're making a joint decision like this, needs, sorry, when you make a decision like this, it needs to be joint. It needs to kind of work together on ensuring that. And so going back to what I started the conversation about for us and just this one clarity, which was I said to you that the mandates and the lockdowns was started the conversation. Mm. And I remember having discussion with Karen about this, like, yeah, it got us frustrated because we're very restricted and I wasn't, we weren't as bad as say what you guys had to experience in Victoria, but New South Wales was six months lockdown. And that got us thinking. And the reason why I say it got us thinking was because I remember clearly saying to Karen, like, if we do this, we are, I want to be very clear that we're not doing it because yeah. we're running yeah. away yeah. from the government or what they're doing. Because if I'm doing that, if I ran away, if I made the decision to leave Australia because of the things that we're doing to us or at us or, or the future where it could head, then I could, I'm always resentful. Yeah. I'm always, I'm running away from something versus about what am I running towards? Mm. And so we, I said, we have to be very clear. And as you can see in my language and what I described the story was like, we're very clear on the, why we did it. We didn't leave because of Australia that started the conversation, but we left because of the excitement of what the life we wanted to create. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's important. I think it's if you're running away from something, which sometimes you have to, but I think if we were very clear to make sure we're running towards something that we're leaving because we wanted to start a new life. Yeah. So therefore there's never looking back and going, you did that to us. No, no, they didn't do anything with us. It's just like, we started a conversation and we wanted this life. Yeah. Thank you for everything you did, you know, going back to Australia and thank you for COVID for everything that they did because it made us create new opportunities that we never saw if 
it never happened. Yeah, and, and you're making the decisions from an empowered place. Right? So any time that you're making decisions out of fear, doubt, uncertainty, they're going to be reactive decisions, right? And any time that you're making decisions out of anger, righteousness, and what we call FU energy, then you've got to clean it up because they're not actually clear, clean decisions. So to me, and from what I'm understanding for you, both you and Karen, and I got to a place of empowered when we asked ourselves some really tough questions and got great resolution around why we're doing what we're doing. And then we acted from that place. Had we done them from fear or uncertainty or anger, it probably would have been a different outcome. And to me, I think the point of power, I guess, as a good frame of any decision making, and and we'll definitely uh, touch on this as we go along, is I avoid making decisions unless I'm in an empowered state. And and, uh, it's basically a non-negotiable for me. So if I'm uh, feeling fear, doubt, uncertainty, or anger, righteousness, or whatever, I defer decisions from that place and do whatever I can to get back to my centered, empowered state. Because that's when clarity, that's when power, that's when truth comes through in a lot more responsive way than um, the other two extremes. I see this a lot. I mean, obviously, in Portugal right now, we have a lot of expats, Mm -hmm. a lot of Americans coming because they left left America because of the situation, whether it be gun violence, whether it be politics, where where the direction of America is going, they're just sick and tired of it. And they're moving because of that. And you can see it. The ones who succeed successfully integrated into Portugal lifestyle and the expat community here are usually because they have that foresight of going wanting something more. But those ones who struggle or it's like they left thinking that this will be a great paradise and then realizing that you know, every paradise has its problems. <laughs> and, you know, then you go like, oh man, did I make this? And they just kind of stuck, yeah. you know, but actually we'll talk a little bit about that because I think sometimes like when you make a decision, I said, kill off all options. I personally feel, and this is, I know this is just my opinion on this and Jim, you might disagree, but I find that, you know, I had an opportunity. I remember talking to uh, a friend, actually a mastermind group of, of, that I, you know, was part of. And one of the thinking was was that it's like well you know like it's a big thing i gotta sell my house i gotta do all this gotta get rid of all my furniture and the, the thought process was someone's like well, why do you have to sell your house why don't you keep your house in sydney go away for a year and then see if you can decide whether or not you know it's the right thing to do and i'm like no mm-hmm. like for me i was like no 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 no. like i need to burn all yeah, bridges yeah burn all the ships burn the boats. move like i'm still have the option i mean I can still have the option. I mean, I, I'm still, I can go back to Australia anytime, right? But having like the one foot in, one foot out yeah, is like, it, it actually, and I see this a lot because obviously I've been experiencing a lot of these expats through here. Anybody who still has got a home and even like, I'm only trying this for a year and stuff. They are always stuck. Yep. I remember I actually talked to someone the other day and they're, you know, they're like, I finally made a decision. We committed for another year. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay. Right but it's not all in, right? And so there's always that little bit of hesitancy. And I think when you pull back just a little bit, you're always anchored somewhere else, your heart somewhere else. It's really difficult, I find, to fully engage and actually integrate because you go, "Ah, but that's my plan B. That's my backup plan. Yeah, totally. And and so it's hard. Backup plans are danger. Uh, I I get that it's a security and a safety thing, but I'm with you. I was in the same boat. There's a difference between recklessness and going all in because... What a lot of people may not know is, while from the outside looking in, this is like, holy smoke, that's a big decision. We were both very strategic and we were both very, um, we researched this really, really well. So we can make decisions very quickly, but we're not reckless. And But I, like you, said the same thing. It's like, I've got to go all in and give this every opportunity. If I'm, If my mind's back where I was, I'm not actually going to give it a chance. And so I've set, I'm setting myself up for failure from the outset. Or disappointment or being stuck so 
Same thing with you. It's like, hey, we are all in. We are going all in. And if it doesn't work out, okay, fine. I will change the strategy and then be all in in something else. But to me, that little bit pregnant, you you know, kind of thing, it's not you're either pregnant or you're not. And for me, it was yeah. like, I'm all in or I'm not. And I can't do yeah. that half-hearted stuff. That doesn't work for me very, really well at all. Yeah. It's like, it's like dating a new girl, but you kind of having this other yeah. girl on the side yeah. just in case. And like, we'll see how this works yeah. out. It's like, you know, are you going to commit or not? And yeah. I think, I know we're kind of making fun of it, but that's sort of like how it is. Like your brain does different things. And, you know, we are not, I, I'm actually more risk adverse than you. I think, Jim, yeah. like I've seen you take action. You kind of go for it, like, but, you know, but everything we do is calculated. Yeah. It's not like we're very strategic. You know, we think about, you know, options. We know our plan B's. It's not yeah. like I said, I know I can just fly back yeah. to Australia if this turned into to, to crap, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, I know I can go there. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, I want to go all into, in a sense of making sure that I want to like start a new life and like, really start from fresh because that's really giving a chance you know we do come in to the thought process of like giving this one to two years and then see how we go because we don't know what the life's going yeah. i mean i'm just predicting my, my my family's never been to portugal i've been here for five days before we arrived <laughs> like that was five years ago yeah. i don't know what portugal's like we just you know chose a country yeah. and just kind of went with it yeah. you know so we don't know what's going to happen and so of course we have a plan b it's not like we're just all in this and, and not have, I have options i can yeah. go to canada i yeah. go to australia yeah. i have other passports yeah so it's like we don't it's not like we don't think about those things yeah. right but we have thought about through and we making sure and that's how you all everybody has to make those decisions like to not like to think that oh they did that so therefore we should do that too no you got to do what you got to follow your own values and uh you got to you know follow your own purpose but i do want to come back to something what you said earlier right okay. about people's perceptions because yep. i think that's part of the decision right a lot of times we we we, we struggle to make big decisions in life because we are so concerned and worried about the perception of others sometimes, not everybody, but sometimes we worry about the perception of others of what they think about the particular move or whatever decision you're going to make. In your case, I was surprised. I remember you first brought that up, you know, in terms of like what people said to you, you know, and I know it stung and it hurts. And it's like, it's amazing that even someone would think about that. But I guess, you know, to me, I look at that and go, yeah, I, th I think there's a bit of insecurity mm -hmm. or a protection mechanism of the other person to go like, I can't do what you done. Yeah. So therefore I need to kind of justify why your decision is wrong. Yeah. Look, yeah, look, it's, it's actually really interesting you say that because I, by nature, I don't, I can block out uh, noise very easily. I can get, once I lock onto something, I, I can, I can, I can really let that one go. But I think there was an element of that, that I was feeling, I was really questioning myself. And so like a lot of the times when people were coming up with their own reasons why what we were doing was such a really big thing, it was usually they're, they're rationalizing their own justifications. And so, but what about your furniture? Well, I'm like, I couldn't care about my furniture, really. I'm not going to, but, but that was, that's an important thing to some people. So that's the frame through which that they'll filter it. For me, as long as my, my wife, my kids are safe, and I've got basically runway and I've got a dream that I can chase, I'm happy, I'm good, I'll go for it. You know, so that's that's me. That's my risk profile, and so that's yeah. what will happen. And and but what you said about big decisions, I bring it back to little decisions as well, because we're not telling people to go to the other side of the world because that's friggin' scary. You know, it really is. And you've got to be really clear. You've got to know that you know that you know it's the right thing for you. But it's the little decisions. You know, people are caught up in hamstrung on little decisions. Should I wear this jumper or that jumper? What will people say? And so. If you're paralyzed by the implications of little decisions, 
the bigger decisions are going to be a lot harder. And because I get to the point where I'm, like, I'm comfortable with my own skin, like my jumper, don't like my jumper, I don't care. I was then able to let go of a majority of the resistance and pushback and judgments and comments that other people made and it didn't touch me, but that one got through and it was obviously some growth that I had to go through to get um, resolution and peace around it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I will come back to the small decisions, but because I, I want to continue on with this because I feel like that's what happens to a lot of people when they make decisions is that they, and I think this is something worthwhile to consider as people think about this topic around decisions. Think about a decision that you need to make or want to make or should make there's a big one. And what comes up for you? What are some of the obstacles that you that you say to yourself of why you can't make that decision? So like you said, you know, for some people like, oh, I'll, I mean, how many people have ever said to you, Jim, man, I wish I could do that. A right? lot. In my yeah. mind, I'm like, you just got to buy a flight ticket. Yeah. It's not that. Yeah, hard, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but, but he goes, no, no, no. But you don't understand. Like, I got my furniture. I got my house. I got my kids. I got my blah, 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 whatever. Okay. Now, Whatever things come through your mind, just list them all out and really ask yourself, like, why do, why did I pick all any of these items to be a roadblock to the decision? And it's just a question. I'm not saying they're not important, but we, we just kind of almost like roll off our tongues why we can't do something yeah. because we just go like, blah, 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 right. But these are just stories. Like if you really evaluate, they're just stories that we just created of what we can't do. And if you actually look through them, like, can you sell your house? Yeah, you definitely can. Uh, he goes, yeah, but it's not the right price. Okay. But you know, like there's all like, yeah. because, but how much, you know, it's like all these things, yeah. which is like you're creating roadblocks without actually thinking it through. Like I find that most people make decisions, when they make decisions, their thought process, thought process goes to more about roadblocks yeah. than actual, uh, the benefits of actually potentially the impact they can make. Yeah. But if you put roadblocks first, you're never going to be able to dream. Yeah. You're never going to be able to even see what, what's potential because you already shut it down. Yeah. That's the monkey part of your yeah. brain. That monkey brain says, don't be stupid. Let's be comfortable. I just want to chill out and relax. Don't make these hard decisions versus like your human brain who is like have these big desires, but your monkey brain takes over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. So um, my recommendation for people is like, if there's a big decision that you're just about to make or should make, really th like just allow the monkey brain to talk through the, the list of problems or the obstacles that would happen, you know, why you can't make that decision and really then evaluate and going, okay, is that true? Yeah. Is that true? Or is that true? Yeah. And a lot of the suffering, a lot of the stress happens for people with the attachments to things, to identities, to roles, to et cetera. And, and that was the journey that I had to go through as well. You know, it's the first time in my life I haven't, I haven't got a car um, where we live. Even if you wanted a car, it'd be really difficult to have. So we made the decision like, hey, we're not have cars. So selling down our cars was like, but I like this car. But it was like, I made me realize that I wasn't going to sell out on a dream because of an attachment to a car. You know, I love where we live. Can you imagine? You know, but, 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 but in terms of, but that was the, but I had to cycle through that. And, you know, I, I had de been decreasing my contact hours in, in practice chiropractic practice because I, I, I've been spending more and more time in other areas that I, that I work in, but I had to surrender and let go of the attachment and the identity of that. And that was hard. So it, it's so true. Though, mate, really. mate, like, it was so just, like, remember, it was really difficult. Yeah. And you let that go longer, uh, longer time ago than I did, Lawrence. And I found it really hard, to be honest. I really did. Dude, I had my, I bought my dream car mm. that I waited for eight years. I bought a Tesla Model S. I waited eight years to buy this car and I bought it a year before. 
<laughs> right? And it's like, and then, you know, to make this, I have to sell it. Yeah, One year yeah, old. Yeah. I'm like, God, yeah. like, really? Yeah. But it's like, but when you sit, when you talk it out loud, you're like, am I, are you kidding me? Like, are you, am I going to let a car yeah. <laughs> to yeah. stop me from yeah. like living this dream? Yeah. It's like, it's kind of silly when you put it in those terms, but at the time you got to work through that process. Yeah. You, you, but, you that, but that was, it. that was it. And it was really interesting. I'm not sure if you had one, but before we left, we had like a garage. So I was just trying to get some stuff because we were going to bring him over. And then as you're watching some of the things that you had attachments to being a tradable commodity to other, but you've just suddenly gone, well, there's no value in them other than the value that I attach them. Yes, what someone else will pay for them, but it's ludicrous to to get so attached to those things that it would stop me moving forward. Just let it go and just use the, oh, yeah. and that was a really, that was a cathartic process to actually go through. Is it oh, surrendering the attachment to so things? Much stuff. Yeah. I, I I don't think we sold that. Like we just got rid of. Yeah, it. oh, we got rid of. Donated we donated, anything, right? and got rid of, and sold the, the the ones that we just went. Oh, listen, this is really quite valuable. Um, we'll sell it. We're not going to take it across. They're the ones I was talking about. Well, the funny thing is, right? So this has been hindsight, right? This is hindsight. So when we moved, we 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 took you know half a container, like which is pretty small comparatively to what we could have done. And uh, we squeezed everything in, but because we haven't moved into our new house, it's been here <laughs> for nine months. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. it, right? So, wait, so now your question is, okay, was anything in that container yeah. actually important? Actually, it's funny right? you because... say that. It's funny you say that because when we recorded this episode two the first time, I was in a vacant house and the reason why it was so titty because I had nothing in here. Fast forward yes. um, um, you know, six, seven months down the track, I've got my... Um, house starting to fill up and but the containers finally came and there was stuff in there i went right okay why did i bring that across i willingly That's paid right. someone to ship that across for me to just go i don't want it i'm gonna let go of it it's ludicrous um, <laughs> oh my god my kids have grown so much in the last nine months and i'm gonna open that container with molded and i'm sure kids have grown out of their clothes because we had to buy new clothes yeah. we only came in with one, one luggage each like the only thing that i think is actually important is any memorabilia that i actually had a computer that you know that probably hopefully is not broken um and like any sentimental things which i could have just carried over and it's yeah. like i would have i just wasted like you know at least 15 to 20 grand yeah. worth of shipping yeah. costs yeah. uh in that container I'm, I'm actually not looking forward to opening that container because yeah. i don't know why we spent all the money it's going to have another garage sale to just like dump it to another uh, moved all that across the here and then just dumping snap months. It's later. been so, a learning uh, you know, process. It's, it's been a learning process yeah. for us. So, so how about we look at, you know, how people make decisions, Lawrence, in terms of, sure. you know, like we talked about values before, and you know, a lot of the times people traditionally will make decisions analytically or logically, but there's two other areas that really should be tapping into, which I really think would be great to organise, and you know, talk about head, heart, gut and the power yeah. of each and every one of those and how working in, in in alignment with all of them is really helpful. All right, well, let me start with the story first. I think that's the one might be helpful uh, to in terms of decision. I learned uh, learned this from a, uh, a colleague of mine or a friend of mine. Um, he was a former Navy SEAL sniper uh, in the US. And I was actually in Japan with him and we were doing a, you know, a speaking gig for the US Army. Um, and uh, you know, we had a lot of time together over those, over those three days. And I just, you know, I was asking him a question. I'm like, how, how do you guys make decisions? You know, as a Navy SEAL, you're going into like life and death situations all the time. 
um, you know, you go into these environment, you know, tell me, walk me through these instant reactions, right? Because they have to be smart. They must be trained, you know, in some way to know these decisions. And he, and his answer really surprised me, like really, really surprised me. So here's, here's what he said. He goes, you know, when we first make decisions, if we go into a, like any given moment, like I say, I have to go inside this room or don't we go inside the room or do we go into this area? Do we not go into the area? The first part that we check in is actually our, our gut, our intuition. You know, what does our intuition say? And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, like my intuition, because that's the first level. He goes, you have to listen to your intuition. Your intuition is never wrong. So you have to go with, like, you got to check in with your intuition goes, should I go or should I not go in? If the intuition says no, you just listen to the intuition. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. And so that's level one. But sometimes you ask your intuition, it doesn't give you an answer, right? Your intuition doesn't have any answers to this particular situation. Okay. Then if that doesn't happen, then you got to go to the second level. And the second level is instincts. Now, instincts are things that you're trained to. Like as a Navy SEAL, you can imagine they go, you know, all these ops and all these training and stuff, they're ready to fire, you know, and you do that because you do it so that it's second nature. It's muscle memory to actually do it. So that's when the training comes involved, right? So anybody who's played any sport, your instinct kicks in to know what to do. If you play tennis before, you can hit a ball, right? Because it's instinct to be able to do that. Um, so that's the second level. So you got to go, what does my instinct, what does my training has taught me in this level? And if your instinct doesn't give you an answer, then you need to rely on your third level. And the third level is intelligence, okay? Which is then you know, these are data, you know, based on the probability of, you know, the data and the information given to us by this about it, should we go into this room? And what was interesting, he said, though, is as the higher level you go up from intuition to instinct to intelligence, the higher you go up, the higher the probability of making a mistake. Mm. And I was like, whoa, that like that is blows my mind in terms of how, you know, life or death situation you know, we're, most of us are not in life. That's how they make the mm. decisions. So I thought that was pretty, uh, a cool way to kind of think about this. So, you know, but you got to get to a point though, to be able to listen to your intuition. Like most of us haven't developed that. No, one haven't really spent enough time to go. What does our intuition tell you? Most of us kind of rely on intelligence, yeah. what we've been taught and we kind of go the opposite way. And, uh, I think this is just a really cool insight to kind of maybe to rethink on your decision-making process. Yeah, and I think it's really important because if you and I had made decisions about relocating that were yeah, instinct, yeah, I definitely uh, looked at that one. If I just concentrated on just logically, it wouldn't have made sense, wouldn't have come. Just like what you and I have done does not make sense. It does not make sense. No. You know, however, we were driven by uh, what our heart told us and what our gut told us. And so that was a big driver. And then we work out the strategy based on that as well. But the, I agree, they were the, the drivers for, for that. It's actually interesting you used a military example because one of the things that I often, often use when I'm working with people as well is called the 70% rule that they talk about in the military. And it governs a lot of decision-making because a lot of times people think, like you just said about the Navy SEALs, you know, when, when do you go? When do you know when to pull the trigger, metaphorically speaking, and go, or whether you should wait? And generally, they have a rule that says that if you have about 40% of the data and information, you haven't got enough information to go. So you're actually potentially putting yourselves in harm's way or potentially being reckless. So you don't have enough information. When you get to about 70%, you may not have all the information available, but you've got enough to get going. You've got to get enough to be able to 
start the process knowing that you will potentially figure it out. So if you, you go through that first step, you'll, you'll get that going. A lot of the times what happens though for people in decision making is that they wait too long. They wait till they get 100% of the data, 100% of the information, by which time the opportunity may have gone, come and gone. And so it's a really good, interesting situation where I think you and I probably made decisions around that 70% range where we went, okay, we've got enough to get going. We don't know what it's going to look like, honestly. And if we'd known and we've got the advantage of six months down track recording going, holy smoke, had I known now what was going to happen and transpired, I probably wouldn't have changed it. But geez, it would have, you know, like I've now can see where the where it's played out from the time that we recorded episode two until, you know, um, last time. I still wouldn't change it, but there's a lot of things that we've had to work out along the way once we start the trajectory in the motion. I think sometimes it's also too, like when you have too much information and yeah. actually clouds your judgment yeah. and actually makes the decision too hard. And there's like a study, you know, where, you know, they, um, where it's called decision fatigue, right? Yeah. I think you got um a moment of like this, the peer study, which was uh, like, you go to a grocery store and there's like a yogurt company. And this yogurt company, you know, has like, you know, 10 different flavors. It's got strawberries, blueberries, mangoes, and strawberries, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it just have all these different flavors of yogurt. Now, what they found, and, you know, then they tested it as if what happens if you only displayed only three flavors? You know, which one would have gotten more? Well, the athlete's answer is actually the 10 flavor one, right? The 10 flavor one would actually attract more people to that. But which one bought more? Yeah. And is actually the one with the three yeah. because when the 10 you go in there like oh i love the mango i love the strawberry I love the freaking pineapple oh which one should i get i'm like oh, i don't know i'll just come back later whereas the three it's like i really like the strawberry i'm gonna get that one so what's yeah. the point of it well the point of it is like well when what's the point of the actual sampling was it to make people more interested about your product or actually get people to buy your product and yeah. so sometimes we get over decision fatigue and i would use an example of Talking, I want to use a big example of a decision making. Eight years ago, not actually, almost nine years ago now, nine years ago, we were actually in Europe and we were in Perth and we sold our house while we were on holiday. Now we're homeless and then we had to buy a house and we decided to move to Sydney. We were still in Europe, right? Mm. So that made that decision to go from Perth to Sydney, which is for anybody who doesn't know Australia, that's like literally West Coast to East Coast, like literally on the other side. It's like LA to move to New York. Yeah. And so we decided to leave and buy a house. And we bought this house. I will make the story quick, story quick because we basically bought this house, right? In Sydney, sight unseen, right? While we're in Europe, we sold our house and bought our house within the four week period of time where we're here in Europe. And we bought that house sight unseen. Now, some people will think, most people actually will say, not some people, most people think that that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I totally get it. I thought it was ridiculous too. <laughs> but there's certain circumstances we just need to happen. But here's the lesson. I want to tie this back in. The, the lesson was was this. When we got to the house, we found when my actually the first the first time my wife actually saw the house live in person was the day we moved in. <laughs> so that's no main feat, uh, Lawrence. That is no main feat. Especially for a woman, yeah. like for, especially for my wife, if you know my wife, like man, that that is so brave of her. Like, you know, it's it's like a bow down to like yeah. how incredible trust that she had to have. But was it perfect? Hell no. There's always like little things that you didn't spot, you know, based on, because we had a friend of ours, you know, record 10 minutes video, like walking around the house. Like, so we, that's all we could see. Right. But we weren't physically there. So there's little things that you get missed because you weren't there because they don't have the same eyes as you do. And there were certain things. And I think that, but I was thinking to myself, if we were in Australia at that time, right, if we were in Australia, we would have flown from Perth to Sydney. We would have seen the house in person. I don't know if we would have bought the house though. Yeah because we were seeing all like the little flaws that might have bothered us. Yeah. 
And I think we might've made a different decision. And I'm thinking like, it's a beautiful home. Mm. I love the home, you know? And the thing is though, because we see those flaws in person, it almost creates more, we're talking about decision fatigue, it creates that extra information where it wasn't that important to us when we were just making a like overall decision, but it was important if you saw the too many details. So I think sometimes when you're making too much information, can really cloud our judgment and stop us. Yeah, I think you make a good point there too, because the number one um, uh, sort of uh, consistent habit of a successful people is decisiveness, right? So you exhibited decisiveness. Mm -hmm. And so, but what I hear in in your story is that if you're having trouble with decisions, it's the process of making a decision that exercises that muscle and gets that going on. Um, We've recorded an episode, I think in about six months from when you'll be hearing this one, um, when we talk about this, when we when we touched on that just recently, so this will be recorded, um, sort of released quite a bit later. But when you get into the habit of making decisions, the, the most important part is if you've got 10 options, is cut down the noise, narrow it down to three, and then from there, decide. And the moment that you make a decision, you then have the action, and then you can see where the effect that takes you. However, if you're, um, if you're stuck in analysis paralysis and you're constantly playing the what-if game, you never actually move from step one, and that will hold you back. Well, I just think that every one of us, you got to think about it as a, there's only so, if you think about each day you go through, you only have so much willpower yeah. of decision to make in a day. And it gets recharged to full at 100% capacity every single day. But for every decision you make, starting from the day you, from the time you wake up, it drains a little bit of that battery. Yeah. And so- if you're making, if you're taking energy from that battery to making small decisions, like, oh my God, what am I going to wear today? Yeah. Or what am I going to have for breakfast today? Should I have this type of cappuccino today or that kind of latte? Well, what should I have? Well, should I put milk in it today or should I have the oat milk or the almond milk today? Every single one of those decisions, should I work out this morning or should I not work out this morning? Should I have a cold shower this morning or shouldn't I? Have? Like every time you make that decision, it drains that battery. So you could start off the whole day and already 50% down before you even go to work. Yeah. And you know, when what happens when you're at the end of the day and you only got like 10% left and you have to make a big decision. Yeah. So that what I'm trying to say is that if you think your 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 willpower and battery every single day is like that, you want to leave, you want to make decisions quicker on small decisions that don't matter so that you can save enough willpower and energy just in case those big decisions moments do come in your lifetime sorry in your in your daytime somewhere along the day that you actually have the capacity and bandwidth to make those decisions yeah because i think that's such an important well it is because if you're if you're hung up as you said on on the quote unquote smaller decisions you're going to really struggle with what you have to do when really big decisions come along you know and and it was interesting circling back to what you said about relationships before about being half in half out it's when you're in a situation and you're saying to someone, hey, I'm 45% committed to you, that doesn't feel too good, all right? I've got, I'm giving you 45%, right? It's, it's, it's funny when you put it that way, it's potentially um, confronting, but that's what a lot of people do, right? And so yeah. if you're deciding, hey, I'm with this person, I'm all in, wherever this will take me, good, bad, or otherwise, you're giving it a chance to play out. You're not playing second-guessing, you're not driving... Uh, alternative scenarios for me that's not a judgment call it's just basically saying here's here's how it plays out in relationships because we see this happen all the time when we're talking to people they're paying the what if if they do this if they do that if and and it's like hey cut down the noise focus on what you're doing 
decide if this is right for you, if this is the right path for you, and let it run, let it follow through. And getting into the habit of making micro decisions regularly so that you don't have basically distortion and noise affecting your clarity. Well, on the flip side of that relationship is also that when just that, you know, saying what you just said is so important, but also remember that when the situation changes or when the relationship doesn't match the values that you uphold yeah. or the standard you have for yourself and what a relationship is, then the decision needs to be going. That's when yeah. we kind of end it. Yeah. And this is with friendships. This is with, yeah. you know, with romantic partners. Like it's such an important element, right? Because we, we're we not saying stay in a relationship because you're got to be all in. No, it's like all in until like situation changes, yeah. right? And if the situation no longer suits you or no longer fits within those value systems that you have, I think that's really important to go. Then you have to make certain decisions as well. And it's, I mean, breaking up with someone is really hard, yeah. right? It's, it's really difficult to letting go of someone, firing someone. It's really hard to do. But it's a necessity. It's, I think it's a necessity of what you know of, of a business. It's a necessity of being an entrepreneur. It's a necessity of having great relationship. Is because you don't, you know, sometimes you know you got to go through trial and error to find out what's the better relationship to have. But doesn't. But again, going back to the flip side, doesn't mean you give up on your relationship no, just because no. it doesn't match your first instinct. So it's having that line, the standard or your values or what what you uh, have and the standards you want to have for for yourself and your relationship, but also recognizing that you need to be committed to ensure that relationship yeah. works. Cool. So, Lawrence, I reckon we start rounding out our podcast episode, and I guess my if I was going to summarize the takeaway for for this is. It would be to say, you know, making decisions can be easy if you're clear in your values. Uh, it can be really hard if you're not. The process of learning the how to make decisions and make them clearly really serves you very well for those situations where you have to make big decisions. And even when you have to make big decisions, they're not going to be easy necessarily. You're going to be hard. You're going to be stretched. It could be painful uh, to make those decisions. But it's just being clear on who you are, what your values are, uh, helps you make those situations. And then then you find the courage to make those decisions. So it's, it's a process. It's not, you know, we, we've had to walk through the, the fears, doubts, uncertainties to do what we're doing. And your journey may not be similar to ours. You may just find a situation in your world that's going to really challenge you there to make some tough decisions. That's the pathway that we've used to get to how we got here. Uh, if it's of any help to you to be able to see what that looks like for some people, that's why we're sharing it. So that's really how I wanted to close out on what I wanted to say today. Yeah, I'll leave it with this one thought. I think in your in your life, in your own personal life, wherever journey you are at, the listeners and the, and the viewers of this, is that you have to be learn to be a leader of your life. And one part of being a strong leader of your own life is that you need to learn to make decisions for where you want to go. I think a lot of us spend too much time. I'm guilty of this where we're letting other people make decision for us. And, and we're, then we're living a life guided by them. And initially we need to, our parents had to make certain decisions for us and guided that. But when we, once we leave our home, oftentimes we're guided by decisions, what, you know, our schools or, you know, teachers tell us to do, but at some point you need to learn to lead yourself and leader leadership requires to make certain decisions, even though you don't necessarily know what the right answer is. Yeah. And there's a great story and we'll leave with this, which is like this general, I think it's general Schwarzkopf. I don't know exactly in the States where there was one time there was in a meeting 
uh, and they had to make a decision on something. And everybody was debating, like, should we go? Should we not fire? Should we not fire? Da, da. And, they, and then for hours they were debating, and then he just stood up and goes, this is what we need to do. And then everybody just go, okay. Then there was action moving forward. And someone asked him later, he goes, how did you know that was the right call? He goes, I didn't. No one was making a decision, so I had to make one. And I think that's that's a great analogy for what we need to do in our life. To be a leader in your own life, you have to learn to make decisions, not like, with also full knowledge. You have no idea yeah. if this is the right call or not call. But at some point, you need to make decisions because if you don't, someone else will. And I think that's what we've been saying. And we've been hopefully giving you some tools and systems and how we think it through to help you make your decisions, your life, life decisions better. And I hope that you would love to share that with us at some point because I love to hear that, hear about it and uh, and also you know see where we can learn too to help us make better decisions in the future yeah. as well. So today, guys, I hope you enjoy this particular episode and I hope you continue listening. We've got some great episodes coming up. Please share this with everybody else on the Wabi Sabi journey. It's going to be great um, listening and great content on a variety of topics. And uh, Jim, always love hanging yeah. out with you, man. And uh, let's talk to you guys uh, in the next episode. Thank you.